Welcome to another installment of New Books and Poetry. I am your host, Jen Fitzgerald. A topic many writers and artists deal with and that I am currently tackling in my work is the idea of home. Whether it be geography, people, culture, or the feeling it elicits, home takes many forms and is expressed in many mediums. Janice A. Lowe is a composer and poet. She is the author of Leaving Clee, Poems of Nomadic Dispersal, and the chapbook Swam. Her poems have appeared in Callaloo, American Poetry Review, The Hat, In the Tradition, and The Poetry Project Online, and are featured on a digital album with Drew Gardner's Poetics Orchestra. She composed the musicals Lil Buddha, text by Stephanie L. Jones, Sit In at the Five and Dime, words by Marjorie Duffield, and Somewhere in Texas, book and lyrics by Charles E. Drew, Jr., she is co-founder of the Dark Room Collective and has performed with the experimental bands Without a Net, H-A-G-L, and Digital Diaspora. Welcome, Janice. Hi. So I normally like to start an interview with questions about where the poet is from and their family makeup. Since this is an integral part of the collection, could you tell us a little bit about place and culture as they are expressed in your work? Sure. Um, I moved around a lot uh, with my family in my very young life. And uh, so that's something that um, the collection deals with, which is kind of like a poetic memoir uh, that deals with the moods. And um, so... I lived with my family on the East Coast several times, New York and Jersey and D.C. I lived in Cleveland, Ohio a couple of times mm-hmm. <laughs> um, before age 16. And uh, when I was in high school, I moved with my family to uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Okay. Um, and out of all of these places, which one would you consider to be your launching off point or your, you know, home per se? Right. Um, I consider Cleveland to be my home, my actual hometown. Mm-hmm. And how about family? Do we have any siblings? Um, sure. I have uh Three brothers uh, and one sister. Um, my father was married before. Married before um, my mother was a second wife. So mm-hmm. uh, I grew up in the household with with one brother who's close to my age. And in your household, um, were the arts celebrated? Were, were there many books? Was there music? Was there singing? Um, sure. Um, my mom and dad sang a lot around the house, even though neither one of them are, are singers. And, um, I grew up hearing them sing, um, old jazz songs all of the time. You know, when we were driving around the house, um, <laughs> hearing them through the door, singing in the shower. They took us to a lot of concerts. They played a lot of records and, um, my mom is an English teacher and uh, had loads, both my parents had loads and loads of books around the house on all kinds of subjects. So, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a blessing. 
Um, so let's hear one of the pieces. Would you please read Bone Hug's Best Location Blues on page 15? Okay. Bone Hug's Best Location Blues. Womack, 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 Womack. Get up, wake up, can't stay asleep. Cuz call me Chuck. Hole up in the cut, living lake effect, grind, ditch topical rewind. When I flow, 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 use a beach, wave, wave, clee town gravel, rain over on the beach, wave, wave, clee town gravel. Wash over, watch over, rain. Wash over, watch over, rain. Good stuff about Cleveland. Good, lots of it. Decades of anti-Bob hopes in Arsenio Halls become laugh track writers anonymous. Instigate late night Forest City bashing all the way to the bank. Clee rock halls and can take a joke. And we can talk some trash if you got some cash. Blows, bull moose. How many Frankie Yankovics and bull moose Jacksons does it take to save a public utility? Run it down like Jim Brown. How many abandoned boogie-woogie accordions repurpose themselves as bridges? Count mobsters needed to take out the boy mayor. His refusal to sell Muni Light set up some shock theater. Not the Gulardi I don't remember and his late-night horror movie hosting frolics. Or the ghoul's giddily obvious homage but real blood-draining shock. Drum roll. A hitman. A one and a two and a kucinich. Columbus Nightmare Day. This movie's so bad. Parade of Serendipity. Phone knock landing Mayor Dennis in the hospital for um, unrelated reasons. Kucinich. Noggin unavailable to target, leaving him to liberalize despite conservatives in his return to public eye life. Cleveland rusts. Cleveland's Trust the city's rock and hard-ass place banking on the people to default. Leaning hard on the people, post-Muni Lights pay-up mandate, better call and post. How many Kucinich's foil a pay-to-play? Spitballs, does Gaylord Perry sneak pitch? Russell Meanses are mistaken for Chief Wahoo. Dog pound morph into raven's roosts. How much sulfur is required for smell-o-vision? Is a steel mill better imagined? Is St. Theodosius Cathedral church by day, progressive club crawl end spot till earliest light? Skinny filaments of gold line outline, hovering clouds of pre-grunge fagans, a decked-out sky ready for a weekend in the flats. Jazzily punk daybreak, soul blues, polka varietal, sun plunge, hoppish, hispish, gospel in the AM reveal. Ohio players, Zap featuring Roger, Bootsy, Isley Brothers, fucking always back to you through your nightlight. The Agora, a dream you read about in C, but vanished before you could catch Devo in Cleveland. 
Now, little Jimmy Scott and Junie Morrison could snake charm rivers from Dayton on down or up. The Cuyahoga included singing Junie. Listen to the water side of you. A striped city, so stylish. Black, east, white, west, swirl in between. Hungarian, Chinese, Lebanese, Puerto Rican pockets, Polish, Jewish, sleeves. A little Cuba marrying white or black, become Polish or black southern or Italian, inflected, Cubanos. Infamy of big Italy, eclipsed by Murray Hill's Italian specialties. Curio shops and tomato gardens, big preservation societies. Have your bed and breakfast quaint now and all historically marked. Where you used to ride your bike and get chased out or worse. Now that North Coast is pure, unadulterated, unlegislated progress. Don't look into a Buckeye's eyes unless you mean love, Rust Belt style. How many times can I abandon the East Side? How cavernously can I love a city that gave me Girl Scout meetings at the Surah Jazz Disco Club? Sparkly stuff spicing up our merit badge and cookie business conducted in Spanish by a retired high school teacher determined to field trip us to Madrid. Thank you very much. So let's discuss the obvious. These pieces are compositions. It's not just verse. So can you talk to us about your creative process? Sure. I'm not sure that I actually think of it that way. I kind of have composing music and writing poetry in two separate um, camps of people in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so obviously it comes together when I write, but I don't think of it that way. When I'm writing poetry, I don't think of it as music, I would, I would say. And when I'm composing, it's, it's very specific to that. I'm often setting the work of other writers uh, to music, and I'm dealing with, with their writing, and there's like this co-inspiration of, of um, music that's dialoguing with someone else's writing mm. which is a type of collaboration that I that I really enjoy mm-hmm. so is the musicality added as you begin to read your work um, it depends on the piece um, I'm doing this thing now where I am setting the poems in the book uh, to music and so that came after mm-hmm. and so there's that um, and, um, so even within the poem that you just read us and I, and I've heard yeah. you read some of the others, um, some of the lines are sung, some of them are spoken, um, right. there are inflections. So I was just wondering if, as you're writing the poems, if you are thinking towards that, or if that happens when you begin to read them. Um, no, I don't think about it when I'm writing, no. Uh, no, definitely not. Um, and when I'm reading, yeah, I think the first time I read that poem, the Bone Hugs poem, I think that just happened spontaneously. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe one line there where I'm, where I'm quoting, uh, the melody of, um, composer keyboardist Junie Morrison, 
um, from Ohio players and Parliament Funkadelic listened to the water side of you. I'm quoting him. And then in the beginning, I'm kind of channeling um, Bobby Womack, uh, songwriter, singer who's from Cleveland. And so I'm playing in the text with the spelling of Woe and Mac. And um, then with the title and just the way um, the hip hop group, Bone Thugs and Harmony, you know, work with melody in their um, emceeing, mm-hmm. uh, I was kind of letting that kind of in, inspire me a little bit because it does inspire me. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way they work with the kind of with the spoken and the song together, and that it's kind of um, they kind of took back singing. They, they took back singing from the virtuosos and 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 just did it and, and incorporated in and through what they do as MCs. So. Hmm. Mm-hmm. so, um, so what does your revision process look like, and how do you know when a poem is done? Well. Uh, Sometimes I'm not sure if a poem is ever done. Um, my other art form that I work in is composing musicals, and musicals are a really big form. And um, because of the way um, a musical is kind of born of 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 um, writing it and then performing it and then actually um, feeling the audience's engagement with the work is you got to make sure that, you know, no matter how abstract it is or not, that, um, the words and music are at least being heard, which is not always that easy to, to gauge. And you don't really see it until you, until the audience is engaging with it. Um, I think in that art form, I almost feel like it's, it's never finished, even when it goes on stage, even when it's being produced. And then with poetry, I think part of the joy of it for me, <laughs> and most poets I know, part of the joy is, is is tinkering. And so often I may feel like, okay, I'm done. And then I pick the poem up again and like, oh, I want to tinker a little bit. I want to change this and I change that. And, and I realize now that part of that is... Um, that I actually enjoy the tinkering, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, the whether or not it's finished, I think it's a feeling. I agree, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, you, you do. You you have a feeling that this that this entity has somehow reached completion. And you know, when you look at it again in two years, you'll be like, "Dear God, why did I think that thing was done?" But um, at that moment, where you are. Definitely, there's a feeling. Um, so let's hear another poem. Um, could you please read, and this is one of my favorite titles, The 40 Acres Exist, But We Will Live in Town Because Your Mother and You Children Refuse to Be Country, on page 42. The 40 acres exist, but we will live in town because your mother and you children refuse to be country. He did it, made it happen, that move, embrace of yes, Lessened the grip on no grab day wheels, propulsion, sun and air conditioner, early and dewy, dark or slippery, humid, morning, close, astral, ancestral, said so long to training young white math boys for promotion over brothers, the country called down south, vast, vestal, 
traffic behind him, 65 south, dips, curves, climbs, ahead, practiced, focus, one-armed, WW2, vet, prowess, reigning in day nightmares, retaining dew, avoiding wildlife, teetering on mediums, ramping up the ultimate, the African-American comeback story, willed into now, 40 acres to hold, wife won't live in the country, Kids are city, too. Dad's prerogative. No chickening out mid-challenge. Childhood friends. South Dakota migrants. Advisors. Family angels. Universe God said, your teenagers are too old to move. It's a different life down there. Yes. Him driving. Late with the dream, but the dream just the same. Daughter says, too dark, much too foreseeing. Clee eyes, not quite adjusting to subtropical, unsure. In a recreated there, where's east, the lake? Queen Anne's lace and periwinkle, eerie. Daughter is crushed, but is always daddy's girl. Son can adapt, he thinks, daddy's boy. Daddy's about to be young adults, pumping gas, Window washing, webs of tiny flying things, lives and psyches. Thank Buddha. Thank Malcolm X. Thank W.E.B. Du Bois. Thanks, Woodland Spirits, Jehovah, Jacob and his ladder. Thanks, trees, cardinals, crow, wind, snow. The rapid, Lee Harvard, see ya, civil service, see ya, moms. Shaker, teacher, tenure, see ya, Rockefeller and your dimes, see ya, University Circle, see ya, Mount Pleasant, see ya, Westside Market, see ya, Edgewater, see ya, Terminal Tower, see ya, best location in the nation, see you, see ya later, Cavs, Browns, Wahoo, he never believed in you. Goodbye, plum and sour cherry trees, he's moving closer to peaches and pecans. A&M alumni, we'll see you at the Classic in Birmingham. To the sidewalks he organized, bye for now. Working since 14, gave it all to these places. Gone. It took a lot of Caledonia, tons of stardust, loads of Mona Lisa to get here with a whistle and a song. Thank you. Um, Do you want to tell us anything about this poem? Anything to go along with it? Um, I think it's extremely creative. I love how it, um, not only the way that it moves down the page with the use of white space, because a lot of these are single word lines that draw the eye down and pull the brain down the page of the poem. Um, do you want to talk at all about the composition of this? Yeah, it's really, it's um, just metaphorically a drive. You know, I grew up driving uh, with my parents, uh, every year we would, um, drive down South, uh, to visit family in, in, in various States, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tennessee. So I grew up making that drive every year in the summertime from the time I was about six years old on up. And so, um, so I had this relationship not only with, you know, extended family, but just with the road going down every year. My parents, you know, 
making it a fun time, you know, doing touristy things along the way, you know, the Mammoth Cave in Kentucky and you know, some other caves in Tennessee, whatever we would find <laughs> to do, we would do, you know, going swimming, buying fireworks, whatever. We would, you know, have a great time as a family. And, um, but it never, my father, you know, wanted to uh, move back south, uh, but we never thought he was serious, especially after we got to be so so old in our minds anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we never thought that uh, he would actually um, do it. Uh, he retired um, a little bit early and especially considered a little bit early for um, a black man. And in fact, you know, when we moved south, he actually used to get followed around a bit um, by the police. He really? just couldn't figure out why he wasn't working. <laughs> um and also, he's a very community-minded person. So, um, you know, I we grew up uh, just being very involved in community matters and political matters in the city and of, of Cleveland and also in other cities where we, where we lived. And so I kind of learned from him to love where we were, you know, from the what we used to call the chuck holes, the potholes we were trying to get fixed in the street <laughs> to whatever what, to whatever it was that we were trying to, you know, work together with the community uh, to, to improve, you know, so whatever it was. So that was, you know, that was one way I learned to love um, the people mm-hmm. and being in, in that particular city is that he actually taught me that and showed me that, like, you don't live somewhere without caring for the people. So... Uh, that he wanted to actually move, I think was just something I couldn't comprehend at that time in my life. That's a really beautiful sentiment about um, entering into a new space, into you know a new geographic space, and doing so um, with the idea of caring and loving the people that are there. It's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so can you... Um, Tell us who you would consider to be in your poetic and musical lineage or which poets and musicians first brought you to poetry and music, respectively. Yeah, when I was a kid, there was a um, a song that I really liked that I bought as a 45 <laughs> uh, called uh, Strawberry Letter 23, which was performed by uh, the Brothers Johnson and uh, written by a musician named Shuggy Otis. I think who made the original recording, but at that time I hadn't heard the original recording. And it's a very kind of surrealistic uh, lyric. And those kind of uh, kind of very poetic, surrealistic, uh, magical lyrics... Um, really inspired me because they were not the usual in terms of um, songs that you would hear on the radio. And at that time in my life, I was obsessed with listening to the radio and with flip stations all night. Nobody knew that I was doing it. I would put my earphones in and just flip radio stations all night and just try to catch everything Mm -hmm. that I could. And um, and I enjoyed a, a lot of different kinds of things. I didn't even care about categories or even quality. You know, I just <laughs> like to hear it. 
and consider it and groove to it. And, you know, those kind of things would kind of jump out at me. It's like, wow, those are the things that made me want to write and make music, those kind of tunes. Mm. I love that image of you with headphones on as a child and just, you know, flipping stations, not even with a discerning ear, just trying to literally capture everything that was out there. That's great. That's that's what poetry is. <laughs> so uh, for the final poem, would you please read Boy Flower Tamir on page 28? Boy Flower Tamir. Boy ritual. Streamed in digital pixelated bits, sacrificial bites. Mother, father, sister, no memory enough. A shaming, a taming, a killing. Wanna be headlines. Woke humanists offer alternate ways to look at black boys, a different kind of imaging. Anything else? Headlines. Father rap, she. Mother presses conference. Sister wrestled to ground. Whip, lash, lash, back. Tamir, grew. Question mark. Wants to know when around violence. Flower boy in the viewfinder, boy flower by his violet weediness, the chlorophyll of him, park innards, a growing green, heirloom boy, heritage seedling of the western reserve, or air softening. Racing grass, growing shy, or mouthy, growing out of shoes, ellipses in view, land bank, urban preserves, tree planting parties, family swim, monitored, vacant edges, other exciting activities, fitness, watershed in the viewfinder, and isn't he cute? A lion, cub, club, privileged hunter, play gamer, a shaky cop, lunch, line, Kudel wreck in summer, sundeck, sauna, gamer, gym, baseball, aqua size, water, games, weight. If you enjoy the outdoors, permissions, slips, schedule, and pointing it at people. Well, probably a personal, you know. I don't know if it's real or not, you know. 911 caller said he's scaring the expletive out of inaudible. Police car stops at 019 seconds. By 021 seconds, the boy is ground. Plank. Rice failed to put his hands up. Hospital rush. Day child mortally wounded. Sunday expired. The boy to near edge of water gone. Think July and firepower working too damned well. A time ago, Euclid Beach, arrow dips, racing coaster, I turns the question mark. They are lovely. Did rice go up around violet? Violins, seventh hall, the orchestra. He was a V for victory, not velocity. Question mark. Cultural garden called weediness, period. Wild fast. Natural history identifies 136 
tree and plant species, 46 species of sedges, grasses, mosses, ferns, and fungi, 56 bird species, 7 amphibian and reptile species, 6 mammal species, and 89 insect and arthropod species. Violets in the Midwest are removed or sprayed or transplanted from native beds to edges, will eventually cover lawns and create a monoculture. Remove wild strawberries from traffic areas because they tend to die and leave muddy patches, ray, violets, and strawberries. Have you found that they get too pushy over time and shouldn't be encouraged? Purple, violets, growing in mostly full sun, white violets in partial shade, in the mosaic of grasses. They can handle some mowing and foot traffic. I don't see any reason that you can't encourage them. Exotic species, watch out. November 26th article, history, justification, domestic, question mark, violins, mother and father, Kudel, Horns Park, Streamline, keep your readers booked, write a review, upload a photo, a recording, violins, only in Cleveland. He was living in a gang-infested neighborhood, confirms he was a gangster, Cleveland hopes who, who shoots a 12-year-old from 10 feet away and expects a free pass. Violet dreams, modesty, fortune, death too soon, soon to color theory, purple confidence, holistic eyes, power intuition, hitting each other with non-mental spheres, floreograph, intuition, the orange tip, candor, how to distinguish airsoft guns from real firearms, innocence, if white shows. Euclid Beach Park riot, protest, 1946. No sitting, no talking, no mixing of any kind between the races. Congress of Racial Equality, put out by Park Police. Lynn Coleman and Henry McKee intervene. They are black cops off duty. Fight. Coleman was shot with his own gun. See below. Cleveland hopes. See below. An officer shot a kid. That is the issue. Thank you. This uh, That's an amazing poem. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. It's amazing. Can you please tell us um, about how this poem came into being? It, it, um, I think it was born of not knowing very much about uh, this shooting by a policeman of um, this young boy in my hometown in Cleveland. And just reading some of the initial reports and some uh, internet posts and kind of working through uh, a found um, a found piece that pulls together and interacts with and tears up and chews up and, and um, kind of paces and sculpts uh, a piece uh, from a lot of media. So it's, it's quite a bit of it is found material. Um, yes, I, I could hear some of the language sounded familiar, but then your ability to manipulate that language and to put it into the world of the poem, I mean, that's not easy to do, just letting you know. Mm. So, kudos. Um, so Thanks. It definitely was not easy to, it wasn't easy to engage with the subject matter or the material at all. It was a very, it was very emotionally um, difficult to write, to work on, um, not finished. I feel like I know so much more about the case now 
the incident, the killing. Um, but I kind of wanted to keep it where it was. Um, because there were real questions or thoughts or my engagement was at the time. And it's just kind of a real record of where I was at the time with my knowledge of, or of trying to get some clarity on what had happened. Hmm. Do you have any words of wisdom for poets out there that are trying to deal with difficult subject matter, um, especially in terms of allowing one to access the pain and the suffering of the subject matter in order to render it honestly? Well, I think one of the one of the most difficult things about the piece for me, especially looking back at it, um, is that there's a part of making art of something that can flatten out the humanity mm. and wow. especially the way that I'm working with um, the page and with fonts and type and, and all that kind of thing. So that part of it makes me uncomfortable. I still have questions about that. Um, so I really don't have any advice other than that people should, you know, this whole question of what is political and what is art for me is not a question. People should write whatever they feel strongly about in whatever way that they that they want and not to be con- too concerned about uh, the critique of what is art and what is not because I don't think I think one of the great powers of art is that it does push things forward in any society it makes people more open to progressive and radical thought and moves that are beneficial for people so people should just admit it. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, so what are you reading right now? Ooh, let's see. I read a lot of memoirs. I'm reading um, Michelle Carlos, who's a performance artist and comedian, um, Fish Out of Agua, and um, a couple of um, poetry collections of Shen Wong, Night's Sky with Exit Wounds, and uh, Tiny Foster, a swarm of bees in high court couple. Mm. Those are both really, really good. Um, who are you listening to right now? Wow. Uh, it's a young uh, music theater writer named uh, Michael R. Jackson. <laughs> Michael R. Jackson. <laughs> There's a theater piece called uh, A Strange Loop great musical storytelling and um, I'm really digging Esperanza Spaulding's um, Emily's D plus evolution uh, where she it's kind of like a performance piece where she's she's playing bass and singing and it's got a little cast and I really loved the way she um, arranged uh, her background vocals and also the way they're working dramatically in her piece. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, so we have a surprise for our listeners. We have one of the poems that Janice has put um, to music, and we'll be playing it directly after my sign-off. So Janice, can you set up this track for us? Okay. Uh, Resistance Girl Tea is uh, a musical setting of um, one of the poems in the book called Resistance Girl Tea. And what can I say about it? It's... 
How long did it take you to um, create this new world for the poem? How long does that process take? Um, it just came to me. It popped into my head, and I just sat, I sat down and started playing it. Continuing to work work on it, and you know, arrange it, you know, for fuller instrumentation. And what you'll hear is uh, myself on keyboards and um, a flute with effects and uh, a bass player. Excellent. Um, thank you, Janice, so much for for coming on here and sharing your work with us. Thank you. So much for this uh, conversation. It was really fun and challenging, and thank you. Oh, good. Uh, this has been Jen Fitzgerald with New Books and Poetry, reminding you to support all the arts, but especially poetry. the tea.